Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Epic Fantasy Romance. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Hmm. At home coffee. So I'm back again. Hi, missed you all. Today is Tuesday. I was going to say Monday, but it's actually Tuesday, April 25th. You're getting a Tuesday podcast today uh, because yesterday I was driving back from Tucson. Uh, so apologies for no podcast Friday, no podcast yesterday. So you get the bonus podcast today. Does it count as a bonus if it's makeup? I don't know. I have lots of news for you all, though. Um, of course, the big exciting news is Rogue Familiar released. <laughs> yes, it uh, came out yesterday. So, uh, oops, I forgot to silence my phone. What? Un momento. Okay, so, uh, so yes, finally got the book finished, got it uploaded, you know, and it came down to the wire. You know, maybe, maybe I'm like gas, <laughs> which is not a flattering comparison, but you know, expand to fill the space you need. Sometimes I think time works that way. Um, I needed all that time to get Rogue Familiar done. Uh, yeah, so I, well, let's see, Wednesday I finished incorporating uh, proofs. Uh, I didn't add much to the end, but, uh, you know, thank goodness for Minerva Spencer who proofed it for me. So I did not do my out loud proofing this time, but I got it sent off for formatting by that afternoon and um, uploaded Thursday morning. And then we hit the road and drove to Tucson. So, uh, yeah, had a good visit with family. Uh, I'm, I'm behind on all the things. So Thursday morning, I head to a polycon. Maybe there'll be time for a podcast on Friday morning. I kind of doubt it though, because, you know, I'm, I'm promising nothing because, because I have a panel on Friday morning at nine. Eastern time, uh, so which is seven mountain time, and I've just been on Pacific time for the last few days, so my clock may be discombobulated. So we will see. I'm calling it unlikely. It would be fun to uh, do a podcast with someone, um, one of the guests there, but I don't know. I just I don't see it happening. Uh, probably because also we will be up late. Thursday night drinking with each other. Uh, but that's the whole point of a con, right? Um, interestingly, about the, you know, because a polycon really started as a reader con, right? And it is still primarily a reader con. But because there are so few other professional conventions anymore, you know, like really nobody's going to RWA National. The, I think the publishers and agents still won't go. Um, and really, you know, people go to conferences because they want to see other people. Uh, you know, and RT was always a reader con, but a lot of, you know, professionals went to that one. Some people were walking by. I could see out the window and looking at Jackson, who's sitting out in the middle of the driveway. So I was making sure he's okay. 
which he is also. Uh, so um, anyway, last year for a polycon, um, Agent Sarah decided to come to the con because she'd figured out she had like six clients who were going to be there. So she was like, I might as well come. We're still so disrupted for a pa from pandemic. It's just going to take forever. Uh, Nebula conference, you know, our in-person attendance is, is looking low, but it's looking that way for all the cons. Um, you know, so many people still not wanting to travel, still want, not wanting to be around crowds. Uh, I don't get it. I'm, I, you know, and I'm an introvert. That's like, no, send me to the con. I want to go. Uh, I think the rising costs are a factor too. Anyway, uh, my point and I did have one. Oh yes. Uh, so now this year I actually have two business meetings with, um, publishing types at a polycon, which is cool. Good for me. Uh, so yeah, really excited to get rogue familiar out in the world and even more so, uh, because a couple of the early reader reviewers, um, y'all are loving it. And I, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know what a struggle this book was. And, um, one reader uh, messaged me over the weekend and sent me this long analysis of what she thought was really great about the book, um, talking about Jedrin and Celia's um, recovery from trauma and how they meet each other as she said some really interesting things. I'm going to read some of them to you. Okay. So I love that she says these things. Uh, she says, these are delicate stories to write because they swing wildly between Wuthering Heights level codependent abusive relationships or the cheap magical sex that cures everything. But you did it exactly right with Celia and Jadron. She isn't some incredibly insightful human who just knows he's good. She's an equally damaged person who recognizes him because she's like him. That commonality lets them know when to call out the BS and when to give space or nonverbal support. But also, they are so damaged, if the pace had been faster, I wouldn't have believed in the possibility of their HEA. She said, also, I'm your most important fan, so I clearly count for lots and lots. <laughs> Which is true. No, you are all my most important fans. But anyway, it was really interesting to read that because I didn't realize that was what the book was about. Um, nowhere along the way did I know that that was what the book was about, but reading her analysis, it's like, oh, I guess that is what I was doing. It might've been nice if I'd known that I might've um, thrashed less. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but anyway, the, uh, the other brilliant comment that I've gotten on the book so far from a reviewer that I don't think I know who they are. Um, and I hope if you listen to this, uh, you will not mind me calling this out because I was just so tickled by it. Uh, and let me find that here. Uh, it, it's the first review to pop up on Amazon. It's always interesting to see which are the first. And gave five stars and says, it's, the story's great fun and everything. Thank you. I'm so glad you thought so. Um, but then they said, um, just overlook Veil the plot advancing Wonder Horse. Bill is a wonder horse, and I stand by that. Um, yes, he performs several critical rescues. 
but I don't feel like he really advances the plot that much. I mean, after all, he's just a horse. Um, but I was, I, I feel like I want to use that in promo for the book, Veil the Plot Advancing Wonder Horse. Uh, so yeah, things are good in my world. Um, good visit with family, got to do some hiking, got a little sun, I see. Uh, it was really beautiful weather. It's cool here in Santa Fe, um, cool spring. I'm probably going to bringing, be bringing the hanging baskets in a couple of times with some freezes. So that's why I get forgetting them early, right? Uh, so yeah, now I just have a couple of days of turnaround. Uh, my brother-in-law comes today. He's going to stay with David while I'm gone to a polycon. I leave Thursday morning. Um, I've got to figure out how to get all of these books there. I, um, I didn't want to pay for drayage. I didn't want to uh, <laughs> deal with shipping. Uh, I didn't want to impose on my friend Leslie Penelope like I did last year. I could have asked probably, but I felt like it was a lot for her to deal with last year. Had to go do some cat wrangling. Uh, so what was I saying? Oh, just on my turnaround. Um, oh, the drayage. Yeah, I didn't want to impose on Leslie. So drayage is like when a company receives shipping stuff at a hotel. And, you know, that's another thing that's getting in the way of conferences is that these hotels are all just charging extortionate prices. Uh, so they charge a lot to receive the boxes of books. So I have all of these books here and I usually carry them in my suitcase because I figured, well, even if I pay for an extra suitcase at Southwest, like their $75 for an extra suitcase is cheaper than paying for shipping and drayage. So, but I've got to, uh, I've got to get all of that sorted. Uh, and then I also have comments back from Agent Sarah on the Amethyst run, hoping to go on submission with it, um, I think next week. Eek. So <laughs> that's, I'm, the next two days are going to be all of this um, transition, household stuff, packing, and then also working on those edits. Sarah says they're not much. Um, what she thinks is not much and what I think is not much actually she's usually pretty on target um she has a pretty good assessment of that she asked me if i wanted to see the comments from the interns because she has her interns read stuff and she looks at that and gets i think input from them on that um or not input um it helps shape her ideas you know she's it's sort of a, another opinion so she asked me if I wanted to see the intern comments and I said, sure, not, why not? Cause it's always helpful. But she said one of them she thinks might be trying to change my voice too much. So I'm anticipating being aggravated by looking at those, which I was thinking about it. I was already like pre aggravating and I thought, you know, you actually don't have to look Jeffy. It was optional, but I probably will anyway. Uh, so some other things on, um, who knows what day it was. I met up with Megan, uh, my, my lovely friend last week at the Gruet tasting room and in, in downtown Santa Fe, which it's down by the plaza. If you get a chance to go, it's great. Uh, and they treat us very well. And the peach pear trees, pear trees were in bloom. 
it was it was a lovely lovely evening we had great conversation so it was monday it was a week ago monday time flies anyway my point and i do have one oh second time i've said that today i'm, I'm definitely like in my uh i'm happy i'm i'm unburdened of having this book done but also like keyed up all the things to do so i was sitting there waiting for megan who got snagged by a last minute work thing so she was running 20 minutes late i was fine i had my lovely table i had my wine and i had my kindle right as we all do so i'm sitting there reading my book uh, what was i reading oh i'm reading an interesting book um called her lost words let me get the author by Stephanie Marie Thornton. Uh, I, it's one where I like saw a review of it and picked it up because of a review. And I don't do that very often, but it's the story of Mary Wollstonecraft, who was, um, you know, early women's rights activist and writer and her daughter, Mary Godwin, who became Mary Shelley. And I'm not sure I ever realized that Mary Shelley was Mary Wollstonecraft's daughter. Uh, Mary Shelley, of course, being the author of Frankenstein's Monster, among other things. Uh, so this book is wonderful. It's it's very true to fact, but also fictionalized in a delightful way. And it goes back and forth in the narratives between the two women. Uh, so the two women at approximately the same age, although at different time periods, right? Because by the time... Um, Mary Godwin is 20. She's, uh, her, her mother has died. Her mother died when she was very young. So possibly in childbirth. I don't know if I'm misremembering that. But anyway, it's really good. So I'm sitting there reading my book, enjoying it. And uh, I, you know, glancing around, enjoying the ambiance. And I noticed this woman sitting at the table next to me and she's at a high table and she's kind of facing me and, you know, she's got the windows behind her and then the beautiful uh, gray tasting room, you know, is really delightfully designed and she, the colors she's wearing and her natural coloring, she was kind of a pale blonde, probably about my age. Uh, and she was sitting there with her glass of wine, gazing out at the pear blossom trees. And she just looked really lovely. And so I said to her, I said, you know, you look, you look so great sitting there. It's such a great picture. Would you like me to take a picture of you? And she said, oh, no, no. And she said, I just hate how I look in pictures. And I said, well, you would like this one because you look really great. And I could just take it with, you know, what, with your phone for you, if you would. Because I think she was traveling by herself. The table said reserved, uh, but she was just, it was just her. Um, maybe she was local, but I got the feeling she wasn't local. Uh, so, you know, so then she agreed and I took this picture of her and, and she looked at it and she said, wow, that is a great picture. She, you know, the, the framing was just perfect and all the colors, it was very artistic. So, and I was glad she liked it and I said, sure. And, <laughs> and then she, uh, I don't remember how she asked something about me or, oh, she asked me if I was an artist. She said, are you an artist? And I said, no, no, I'm, I'm a writer. And she said, well, it's the same thing. And I said, well, different medium, but yeah, close. 
And she said, what, she said, well, what I have heard of you. And you all know that, like I've agonized about this question before, because this is what you get when you, when people find out that you're a writer, she may have asked me what I write. And I said, I, I write epic fantasy romance. I'm a novelist. And she, and, and, and she looked impressed, which was nice. And then she said, what I've heard of you. And I think what people ask when they're asking this is they want to know if they're meeting someone famous, right? They want to know if this is like a celebrity encounter moment. And, and really the answer is no. And you know, like, even if I were Neil Gaiman, <laughs> uh, people would not know who I was. In fact, I went to a dinner party. I don't, well, it was Megan's birthday. So it was in March, beginning of March. And we were, uh, it was a bunch of people who didn't know each other very well, gathered around celebrating Megan's birthday. And so we were kind of doing, uh, somebody started this as slightly as an icebreaker. And it was amusing because they were acting like it was family dinner. And they said, well, how was everybody's day? What was the best thing that happened to you today? Which was fun. You know, so people were going around and I said, well, the the best thing that happened to me today was that I texted Neil Gaiman and asked him to call me and he did. And I had a conversation with him and which, right. You all know. So, and Megan looks around the table and she says, does anybody here know who Neil Gaiman is? And they're all like, Nope. So it was like totally lost on this crowd. Nobody cared. Uh, but they're all like, Oh, that's nice. You know? And, and then I said, well, have you seen Sandman on Netflix? Have you seen good omens? Have you seen American gods? And they're like, Oh yeah. And I'm like, well, he's the writer. Uh, but you know, somebody else pointed out that, uh, like before the huge, huge hit of game of Thrones on HBO, had I said, George R. R. Martin, I would have gotten the same response. People just don't know who writers are. So anyway, she asked me this question, um, you know, what I've heard of you. And so this is, this has become my response and it works really well. And I said, well, are you a big reader? And, and she kind of flushes and, and says, um, she said, Oh no. She said, who has time to read these days? <laughs> and and then she kind of caught herself because there I am sitting there with my Kindle in hand as I wait for Megan and drinking my wine. She's drinking her wine with nothing but like her phone on the table. Right. And she's just said this to a writer. So it was kind of a funny moment. And I said, well, I said, no, I, I mean, I was you know, trying to be gracious to her. I wasn't wanting to play gotcha or anything, you know, and I said, well, you know, unless you're, you know, read in the genre, you probably would not have heard of me now. Uh, so I just thought that was a funny story. I wanted to tell you all that answer does work pretty well because it gets you past that. Am I in the presence of celebrity moment, which, you know, 99% of the time, no, they're not, uh, <laughs> because writers are not famous in that way. Um, but then it allows you to graciously continue the conversation because most people are not readers, right? You know, there's, we, we're so used to our world of readers and writers, but, um, a lot of people are not who has time to read these days. Um, well, you know, the answer to that is people who want to read, find time to read as is true for all things, right? 
that's why uh, when people say that they have trouble finding time to write, I always say, you're not going to find it. Time is never just lying around, empty and unused, waiting to be uh, plucked up and put to useful purpose, right? You have to make the time because otherwise, oh, look, I made a full circle like gas. Uh, things will expand to fill the space. If you have empty time, other things will fill that space. It's the nature of life. So um, on that note, an unusually rounded podcast today, uh, I'm going to go deal with my things. I hope that you all have a wonderful week. And unless we get really lucky, I will just talk to you all on Monday. You all take care. Bye-bye.